Let's pray together. Father, we now come to your word. We pray that you will bless it. We thank you that you have promised that it will not return void. So, God, we with faith now approach this word. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be present in a powerful way to call us out, to call us to obedience, to call us to faith, that we might live lives that you can bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are beginning a new series today. So, focus this year is on what's next. We're talking about how we can map out our forever. What we want to do for the next few weeks is we want to map out the opportunities that we have before us. We are, we are living right now in the valley of the shadow of death. We are surrounded by many who are dead to God. And our, our world is dark. And God is calling us to be a light. We need to understand that we have an opportunity right now living in this world that is unique and powerful. Right now, right here in our own country, we, we are seeing more people who are, who are turning their backs on Christ. It, it wasn't as though they were ever really faithful to Christ. It's just that they were ambivalent, and now they're, they're apathetic. And so in this darkness, there is an opportunity for us to shine, to, to be a light. And, and it genuinely is an opportunity. So for the next few weeks, we want to look at the opportunities that, that God has provided us in this walk of faith in light of what's next. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, I want you to take it out. And I want you to go to the book of Acts. And I want you to go there because the way we're going to understand these opportunities is by doing a verse-by-verse study of 1 Thessalonians. But to understand 1 Thessalonians, we have to begin in the book of Acts. Go ahead and go to Acts chapter 16, where we see the beginning of the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. God called him to go, and he wanted to go into Asia, but he received a vision from God. The Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to go that direction. And so what we see in in, uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 9, is what we call the Macedonian call. In a vision, a man from Macedonia is calling Paul to come in the power of, of the grace that God had given him and to preach there. He said, we need help. And so he goes there, and, and there in Philippi, he begins his ministry, and, and he does what he typically does. He begins to, to go to Jews, and he begins to explain to them how Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament. And so, of course, Lydia becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, and then Paul performs miracles. He gets arrested. A mob is raised up, and, and somehow Paul ends up planting a church in the power of, of the Spirit of God, and then is forced to leave before things get crazy, things get worse. And so that's what's happened at Philippi. He then goes from there to Thessalonica, same thing. Paul rallies uh, there at the synagogue, brings the gospel message in light of the Old Testament promises. Some Jews believe. uh, Other Greeks begin to believe. Jews get jealous. A mob is raised up. And and Paul, again, is forced out. But he leaves in his wake a local church. There's something significant that happens when when people who genuinely believe the gospel and live out their calling, uh, how the Spirit of God uses that, to raise up others who become followers and believers in Jesus Christ. And that's what happened to Paul. While he was there, if you, if you look in, in, in Acts chapter 17, you see that the people are upset about what's going on. The, the authorities, the establishment, if you will, they're very concerned. And so we see in verse 6, them giving testimony about what is happening through this ministry. And when they could not find them, that is Paul and his associates, they dragged Jason, the guy who was hosting them, and some of the brothers before the city authorities. And listen what they said about the early church. Listen to what they said about the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul. This little guy from Jerusalem and a handful of people. Look what, look what the testimony is. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. They 
saw what was going on, and it scared them. They thought, this is, this is powerful. This is going to turn the whole world upside down. And you know what has the power to do that? The gospel of Jesus Christ. God's love has the power to turn your life upside down. Has the power to turn the whole world upside down. And so Thessalonica gets turned upside down. A church is formed. Paul has to leave. He goes from there to Berea and then to Athens. And from Athens, Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica. He's concerned. He knows that he didn't get to spend a lot of time there with these these people. This is an early church. It's a baby church. It's a young church. These are new believers. He's concerned about what's happening. So Paul sends Timothy to Thessalonica, and he goes to Corinth. The Isthmian Games are are going on there. There's going to be hundreds of thousands of people there. They're going to be living in tents. So he, as a tent maker, goes to make tents. He he runs into uh, Priscilla and Aquila. You'll remember them. They got kicked out of Rome. This is where their friendship is formed. And so this great ministry at Corinth is being kicked off. Meanwhile, something is going on in Thessalonica. Paul comes back to where Paul, uh, I'm sorry, Timothy comes back from Thessalonica, finds Paul there in Corinth, and he gives him a report. And he says to Paul, you're not going to believe this, the church is still going. As a matter of fact, everybody's talking about it. As I was traveling back, word has spread about what is happening in this church, but there's a problem. And here's the problem. Someone lied to the church and told them that Jesus Christ had already come back and they missed it. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes the letter that we're about to study. Seeing this baby church, seeing all the opportunities, realizing that they had been lied to, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes 1 Thessalonians. And what we see here are the encouragements of a leader to a people who believe in Jesus to find and discover the opportunities that God has for them and to live them out. So if you would now, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians and let's begin our study. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Joseph McDab is going to read our scripture, so let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And our text today is 10 verses. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. So Joseph, if you would, go ahead and read that for us, brother. All right. Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know that, or you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake, and you become imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you returned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath of God. The word of God. Well done, Joseph. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Let me ask you. If you stopped, if you stopped believing today, would it matter to anybody else but you? Would anyone else notice but you? If today your faith was put on the shelf, 
would it change anything about your life? What, I, what I'm asking is, and, and what, I, what I want you to think about is this, is your, is your faith exemplary? Or is it so private that it really doesn't matter? See, Jesus came to turn the world upside down. And he chose to do that through his people. He chose to give us the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing in the world to make things right. To bring hope and healing and salvation and love. Let me ask you, are you a part of that? Is that really what your life is about? See, when Jesus Christ enters a life, he changes that life. And the changes that he makes in that life causes the world to be changed by that person. Let me ask you, is God changing anything through you? Is a difference being made because you're a believer? God has called us to be an example. Understand, you're an example. The real question is, what kind of example are you? Many of you know my story. You know I wasn't raised in church. You know I didn't buy the whole Christianity thing. I thought the whole thing was a joke. I made a joke about it. And here's one of the reasons why I did. is because a lot of the people who claim to be Christians live just like I did. They cussed like me. They lied like me. They cheated on tests like me. They drank what I drank, and they did what I did. And I didn't see a bit of difference in their life and mine, except they spent a few hours different on Sunday morning. Other than that, it didn't make any difference to me. But then I met this pocket of believers. I met a handful of people who actually believed in Jesus and loved him and lived like it, and I'd never seen anything like it. I'd seen religion. I'd seen, you know, people gathering. I'd seen the institutional stuff. But to see people live in Christ, they were perfect. But there was a difference. And their example made it possible for me to believe so that I could anchor my life and hope in Jesus Christ. And it was such a blessing to me. Let me ask you, is your life a blessing? It's your life an example that makes it easier for someone else to anchor their life in hope in Jesus. Are you living hopeful and being helpful by leading more people to anchor their life in hope in Jesus? You need to understand what a precious gift and opportunity this is. I want you to write this down. The opportunity to be an example is a gift. But notice, or note, it's demonstrated with faith, hope, and love. If you know Jesus Christ and he is at work in your life, it's going to change you and through you change your world. It's going to impact the lives of other people so much so that they will see it. It will be demonstrated. The opportunity to be example, this, this gift is amazing. Because you, you as the one who's doing the work, it's the, it's the blessing that falls on you. Right now, I've got a, a number of friends who are, who are seeking to make disciples of, of some folks they know. Some are families, some are friends, but, but these folks, they're asking for prayer, and they're so excited right now because they are actually stepping out in faith. And they're actually living on prayer and saying, God, help me say the right thing. Help me be able to be an encouragement that they might believe. And what is happening is God's doing a work in them and through them. And that work that is happening, it's causing, it's causing me to pray. 
what's happening, what happened in Thessalonica was that there was word spreading. There was something happening. God had shown up, and there was a difference that was being made. Paul heard about it, and he said, it's leading me. We thank, we give thanks to God always for you. Listen, when you are living as an example, people give thanks to God for you. I know you may think, nobody's watching me. Nobody watches me at school. I'm just a mom. Nobody's watching me at this house. I just care whether or not the towels are clean. Nobody's watching me at work. I'm just a worker. I'm just doing my thing. I'm just out there. Nobody cares if I'm on this team. Nobody notices if I'm if I'm a part of, of what's going on on campus. I'm going to tell you, somebody's watching you. So here's the question you need to answer. What are they seeing? And, does what, and what they are seeing, is it causing them to give praise to God? Paul said, in light of what was happening in Thessalonica, he said, it's it's leading us to give thanks to God always for you. And look what he says, constantly mentioning you you in our prayers. Do you need, and this is important, do you need the prayers of other people for you to live the Christian life that's on your heart and your passion? Or has your faith and your life gone so on autopilot you really don't need the prayers of the saints. I mean, outside of your health and the health of your family, outside of maybe a, a job thing or a bill thing or, or something else, do you need, desperately need, the prayers of God's people? See, here's the thing. If your faith's not on autopilot and you're actually living it, you need prayer. And you need prayer to accomplish the, the, what is called the, the Pauline Trilogy, the, the faith, hope, and love that God has given. Paul is praying, and when we're living as an example, we, we need this prayer. We need people to remember us, to pray for our lives, that we will have a work of faith. That word, ergon, it's, it's, it's an action. It's active. Our faith is meant to be active. It's not meant to be a concept. It's meant to be something that we do. If you have faith, then it's going to work, and it's going to do a work in you, and it's going to do a work through you. And the only way that work can be used of God is if, and understand this, it's a labor of love. Without love, religion gets dirty. There are a lot of people doing a lot of things in the name of God that are not godly. And they are not blessed. And they are not good. And here's why. Because they are not labors of love. This word labor, the, the idea here is it's a description. It's a description of, of, of pain. It, it's the word that is rightfully used for mothers who are bringing babies into the world. It is a labor. It is not easy. It is painful. It is sacrificial. It is something they do, and it's something of love. Because only love can compel someone to go through that much pain. And all God's women said, because you guys know if it was up to us, we'd go through that pain, nobody would be here, right? When you think about your faith and the work of your faith, remember, it's a labor of love. And if your love is easy, you're probably not loving like Christ. Love is hard. Because love requires you to forgive. It requires you to believe, to trust, to always hope. 
Love is demanding. It is a labor. And when we are exemplifying Christ, when we are living out this gift, people, they give thanks to God and they pray for us that we will have a work of faith, a labor of love, and then also look at this one, a steadfastness of hope. This word steadfastness, it, it literally means to endure under pressure. Hope is a powerful thing, but if you're going to maintain your living hope, you're going to do so under extreme pressure. There's always going to be things that are going to try to squeeze out your hope. Things that happen in the moment, things that that are happening all around, things that happen politically, things that happen economically, things that happen socially, things that happen personally. There's always going to be something that is going to be pressing down upon the follower of Jesus Christ. And without a steadfastness, that hope will die. We must have a steadfast hope, a hope that though it is pressured, it maintains itself. And how does it sustain itself? How is it steadfast? Because of what it is in. Look at what it says. A steadfastness of hope. Where is it? What is it in? It's, what is it? Read it out loud with me. It's in our Lord Jesus Christ. If your hope is in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, that hope will one day die. Because the only hope that endures is the one who's been raised from the dead. And he reigns forever and ever. And if your hope is in him, it's steadfast. It's steadfast. And so we're able to, to have this life that is an example. It's a gift. It's a privilege. It causes other people to be thankful to God. It causes other people to pray for us that our work of faith, it's a labor of love, it's steadfast in hope. It honors him and it, and, it, and it blesses us and it changes our world. So understand the opportunity to be an example is a gift that is demonstrated with faith, hope, and love. But notice this, which come from the gospel. Faith, hope, and love come from the gospel. Paul says, we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. What is the gospel? It's the good news that God has come to save sinners through his sacrifice and through his life. That information... That information is only as good and as powerful as the Holy Spirit is at work. We must not only share the gospel, we must trust that the Holy Spirit of God is going to do the work. And Paul said, listen, we know where your faith, hope, and love comes from. It comes from the gospel. Because when we brought the gospel, the Holy Spirit was there. And this, this power for you to live the Christian life is the same power, Paul says, that we were able to live by. Because he goes on to say, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Look what he was able to do. He was able to say, we were able to point to the change that God had made in our life. And we can now celebrate the change that is happening in your life because of the gospel. Listen, those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ who claim to be Christians, our growth in faith, hope, and love should be able to be calculated by those around us. They should be able to see the growth. Paul later wrote to Timothy. Timothy, who took the message to the Thessalonians. Timothy, who was once a young pastor in Ephesus. He writes to him in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look what he told Timothy. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Can your family and friends see you progressing in your faith? Do they see it in your labor of love? Do they see it in your steadfastness of hope? The only in as much as you are depending on the power of the gospel will that happen. There are a lot of people who wrongly think that the gospel is just about 
what happens when a person becomes a Christian. No, no, no. Understand, the gospel enables us not only to believe, but to be transformed so that God can use us as an example. You know the three circles. Let's, let's, let's look at this again. Let's make sure we understand this. We understand that God's design is that we be in harmony and holy. We be in harmony with God and holy in His sight. But because of sin, there's brokenness. We have to repent and believe. We have to repent, turn away from brokenness, and believe the gospel, which allows us to recover and pursue God's design. But that's just the beginning. See, what the gospel does as we are pursuing recovering God's design, we will learn as we study God's word and as we live out the faith that there's still more sin that needs to get out of us. It's creating brokenness, and we'll have to repent and believe the gospel so God can renew us in our faith so we can pursue and recover God's design. So as God is changing us, guess what he's doing? He's changing the world. That change in us will be, be something that others can calculate. They can say, I can see you changing. Paul said, you knew what kind of men we were. You saw it. You saw the difference that God made. See, it's through the power of the gospel that we're able to have this faith, hope, and love. So write it down and understand the opportunity to be an example is a gift that is demonstrated with faith, hope, and love, which, which comes from the gospel, but understand, which grows in discipleship. Discipleship. What is that? It's the life-on-life process God typically uses to bring new life to a person. See, God uses one person to tell and teach another person so that they can believe, so that they can turn around and tell and teach another person. Look what it says in verse 6. He says, look, you became imitators of us and the Lord. How did that happen? Because Paul shared his life. He chose to take advantage of the opportunity to be an example. And and he not only showed them the gospel, he shared the gospel. He said, you can follow me as I'm following Christ. You'll become an imitator of me, and in so doing, you will come to know and be an imitator of Jesus Christ. For you received in in the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, because it was hard, it was painful. It made no sense that you would become a Christian, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit, you did. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit, they became believers. And so it is with many of you in this room today. You have become followers of Jesus Christ. The question is, are you growing in discipleship? Life on life, you being influenced by someone else and you influencing others. See, Paul later again writing to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2.2, this young pastor, he said, this is what it's supposed to look like. From what you have heard me from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let me explain it in, in simple terms. This is what it looks like. How discipleship works. One person tells someone like Paul told Timothy. Someone like Timothy tells others who believe. New believers tell others who will teach others also. Is this the story of your life? Did someone tell you about Jesus? And so now that you're growing in Jesus, you're telling others about Jesus, who, under the, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, are believing, and now they're telling others about Jesus, and, and that they are going to believe so that they can tell others about Jesus. Is this the story of your life it's meant to be? Please understand, those Thessalonians, they were people just like me and you, living in an extraordinary time, just like us. In a moment where there were opportunities all around to make disciples, let me ask you, when was the last time you baptized someone? 
When was the last time you taught someone to observe all the things that have been commanded? When was the last time you were living in dependence on the presence of Jesus who said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age to live out your faith so that it makes a difference in the world? See, when that's happening, you're growing. The gospel is growing in you, and then through you, the world is being changed. Write it down and understand the opportunity to be an example is a gift that is demonstrated with faith, hope, and love, which come from the gospel, which grows in discipleship, which is focused on the coming of Jesus. Paul wanting to clarify right out of the gate, for they themselves report concerning the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The world heard about the Thessalonians. And through the Thessalonians, the world heard about the gospel. The world heard about this group of people who were just doing their own life, doing their own thing, turned from their idols, turned from their wicked way of life, and they believed in Jesus Christ. They turned to God. They turned and trusted in Jesus, this one who is the Son of God, who has now been raised, but who is returning. Let me ask you, are you living in light of the return of Christ? These Thessalonians, Paul was telling them, listen, keep an eye on Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Remember, he's coming. Jesus is coming back. Let me ask you, this, and I'm, I'm asking myself this question too, so don't, you know, someone said at the first service, I'm glad I wore my, my steel-toed boots today. I, I let me ask you, if Jesus Christ were to come back today, would he find you making disciples? Or would you, or would you just be too busy doing other things? I mean, we're all busy. We all got things to do. If Jesus Christ were to come back right now, would you hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were an example. You are an example of someone who believes. You are an example of someone who's been transformed by the gospel. The Spirit of God was changing you and through you changing the world. Is that what God would say? If not, friends, listen, you're missing the opportunity. You're caught up in the wrong stuff. And today I want to invite you to, to tell Jesus, Lord, I know I'm busy and I've got responsibilities, but I want you to be first in my life. I want you to be the conversation on my lips. I want you to be the thought on my mind. I want you to be the feeling in my heart. I want you to be the one that, that guides my decision making and drives me to do what I do. So you, you to do that, you need to ask Christ to forgive you of your sin and take over your life. Others of you who've already done that, listen, you need to just, you need to come forward and you just need to tell God what he already knows and what you need to come to terms with is you've let other things that are not as important to take priority in your life. 
and you want to be that example, and you want to take advantage of this gift God has given. And if you want to do that, I invite you to do it right now. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we have just a moment to sing of your praise and to acknowledge your grace and to ask you to do what only you can do, which is to make us the example that, that our heart desires that we would be and that your spirit calls us to be. Lord, I pray for some today who need to come to repent of their sins, to believe in Christ and be saved. And I pray for some who, who are your children who need to say, Lord, I need to be that example. I need to be that one who is taking a stand and celebrating your grace and making disciples of others. Lord, hear the prayers of those who come and do a miracle in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. Come and praise you,